Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. Don't be afraid, everybody. Be calm. Remain calm. Move slowly to your nearest exit. This is the Mount Rushmore of public panics slash scares. And me and my good buddies, Richard Hello. and Michael. Howdy are going to discuss the top four uh, aspects of these things. But remain calm! <laughs> Do not panic. Richard White... Panic wa- in the streets of London. Why did I choose this? Is that what you are yeah. going to say before I sidetracked us into bad morning? Yeah. Were you questions? a born, born with a thorn in your side? Uh, <laughs> you, did you shoplift this idea? From I did shoplift this idea. Um, I think this just fit well into, at, at the time, we were, we were deep into like the, the hoaxes. Mm. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And that sort of, and, and, and uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah, yeah. And I think panics and scares kind of just fell into that. Oh, naturally. for sure. For sure. Well, we just um, we just crossed the the borderline into uh, into October. We're like on we're on the doorstep of uh, Halloween. So oh yeah, yeah it's kind of kind of themed yeah. appropriately, yeah. sort of. Okay, cool. All right, so um, Michael, what's your first choice? White UK. Okay, Chris Jericho, the wrestler, the cra- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. What were you going to say? The crap. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I got I, my entire mouth was just full of uh, a Halloween candy, literally, and uh, I, was, I I did not have a good comeback. To it. Yes, uh, Y2K, the um, panic over the impending doom of the year 2000, and what was going to happen when you know the two little saved spaces in the all of our digital files yeah. that didn't had the add the one nine before them were going to yeah. send send the world into economic ruin, and we'd enter a new dark age when. Uh, all the machines would turn against us, and then they just uh, just didn't. They just didn't. Now they did. Like the the machines didn't turn against us, but the panic was real. No, we yes, just fixed course. it, right? Yes. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I. It's so, like saying, "Oh, there's there's no such thing as COVID." You see, all these people survive. No, no, no they no, took no. A, the no, vaccine. That's okay, true. Okay, okay. The, the panic was that all this th- stuff would happen, and that things would, you know, revert to a new dark age uh-huh. where no machines would be workable, or that some yeah. sort of nuclear bomb would go off because it would. Yeah. You know, the digits would be off or some whatever. So the panic was real. The people, but what they did is they spent over the course of a number of years, like $300 billion around the world. Rewriting code. To just like fix things before things went wonky. Yeah. I guess Bill Clinton had a big, like there was a big push near the end of his administration to be like, uh, let's just fix it. Let's just spend the money to fix it Mm -hmm. so that things don't, like when I get out of office, that things don't go to shit. Oh, Oh, wait, they did anyway. Right. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's two, I think there were two aspects of the year 2001. It was like this digital thing and one fixing all this coding, which um, I was reading, I guess it was done initially was just to save like kilobyte space. Yeah. Like just by not having those two, you know, digits in there, just save tremendous amount of space because everything was on floppy disks, Jeff, and everything was just like, it just costs money. Yeah, to, and before them, it was on. There were car, like cards, actual computer cards yeah. that were punch that, cards. Punch yeah. cards that that's just saving those two digits was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you know, the second thing is like just the idea of the new millennium and all the kind of weirdo, uh, kind of you know, end of the worldist people. Anyway, people yeah. that think that the world's going to end will f- yeah. look to any calendar date to. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sure that there was a. Uh, who was that guy that used to predict things that uh, 
He's never gotten it right. Mm-hmm. Nostradamus? Thank you. Nostradamus. <laughs> I was going to say Art Bell, but he's... <laughs> Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, uh, they, they kind of flip through the pages of his predictions and assign whatever day or yeah. whatever to... They, they're trying to work it out, but it was like, ah, maybe the guy was just high. Yeah. I, but but the year 2000, I think, has a lot of, like, kind of culty mm-hmm. end of the world. It's a new millennium. What does that mean? Yeah. Sort of feelings towards it, and then it didn't happen. It was like, okay, well, let's find a new date that will fit better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember being legit scared. I do remember we were doing some sketch comedy show, and like any kind of theater experience you you have those that the experience we all sit around and say well what if and what would happen and then we all just kind of freaked each other out that something actually <laughs> was gonna go bad at the planes would fall out of the sky or or people in hospitals with oxygen machines would shut off but what the thing that i found fascinating about that is they had to bring out the people who knew how to edit those old computer programmers, which were the eighty-year-old mm. dudes who'd retired. You know, yeah. so it was it was revenge of the old farts um, <laughs> coming out to save the day one more time, like space cowboys or something. Yeah, I keep thinking of um, how last week we talked about the um, like these costs, like the cost of you know saving saving money on the punch cards and the cost of kilobytes and how you know. The storage space is endless these uh-huh. days. There's no limit to what you can, how big something can be, how much information you can carry in your pocket, and how much. But you know, back then, yeah. that that sort of information, that storage space, however it is, was just at a, such yeah. a premium. I think also the mentality. I wonder. So the Rolling Stones are playing two shows this week, or are they? Yeah, come yeah. Up this week. Yeah. Would they have written? Um. Uh, their songs any better if they knew they were going to be playing them for 80 years <laughs> i wonder <laughs> and when That's those so people funny. were writing those song those <laughs> that code they were just typing away assuming oh this is going to be written rewritten yeah so many times before something before Not this funny. becomes a problem whatsoever so i think they all thought you know that this this was not going to last and fuck if it did <laughs> it did all of it all of it stayed Okay, Richard Manfredi. All right, my first choice is a little bit more analog than Michael's. Oh. It is the Dancing Plague of eight, or 1518. Oh, I think we all remember. Yeah, I, I was remember there. Where, where you were, were you? back in 1518. <laughs> was that, wasn't that the uh, tagline for American Graffiti? Where yeah. Where were you in 1518? <laughs> yeah. Um, so plague. This is the plague, yeah. This uh, was a, uh, uh, happened in the city of Strasbourg. Uh, which was part of the Holy Roman Empire at the time. And apparently it's, it started in July of that year when a woman named is Frau, Frau Trophia stepped into the street and began just dancing. She just started getting down, man. And this, this she poor, kept... This poor woman had... Well, there was a dancing. Strauss Waltz or something. What was, what was she... What jams did she have going no on? No music. In? She oh. didn't, didn't, have a, didn't have a beatbox a, or a anything. Or didn't, yeah, didn't have somebody beatboxing for her. <laughs> no, nothing like that. And she started dancing. She danced by herself for a week. Shit. And uh, by August, uh, other people had started joining in, and there were up to 400 people who were just out in the streets of Strasbourg all dancing at the same time. Wow. Doing these like wild spasmic kind of like Elaine Bennis from yeah. the Seinfeld kind yeah. of dance, dance moves. <laughs> and the local uh, physicians didn't know what, it, what to make out of it, so they suggested that it was because of hot blood. Yeah, sure. That's, that's usually what does it. <laughs> it sounds sounds about right for <laughs> your position right, yeah. in eighteen fifteen <laughs> or fifteen eighteen, and 
That uh, one's got a case of hot blood. Oh, yeah. I've seen it before. <laughs> why, why do you determine that? The cocaine I gave her didn't work. Okay. <laughs> She'll need another leeching. We all agree she needs leeching. So they thought they would just dance it away eventually. Oh, so okay. they brought in, the people from Strasbourg brought in a professional dancers to help out. They even brought in a band to help them. Uh, but uh, after a while, the da- marathon dancing started to take their st- its toll, and the dancers started collapsing from exhaustion. This Some seem- of them died from heart attacks. This seems like a Shel Silverstein poem, not a real thing that ever happened. <laughs> um, that's so funny that you say that. We've just been reading so much Shel yeah. Silverstein poems, like in the last week. Is it really? We've, yeah. we've gone through like two of the books. Wow. And what we do with Felix, too, sometimes is when he has that extra energy. You just got to run him down at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. He's like... Mom and dad are tired, but he's like, "Can we play like a chasing game?" And you're just like, ah, "We've got to chase this kid till he physically can't move, <laughs> yeah, or else it's going to take even longer." <laughs> so I like if the cops did the same thing. It so was like, just dance, dance, dance it him out off, of them. dance it off, dance it And off. apparently, it, it went on until September, when they eventually took the people who were affected and affected into the mountains and had them pray for absolution, yeah. and that got them to stop. Wow. Um, and there's been several theories about why this happened. Uh, there's a historian, John Waller, who said the most likely explanation was uh, there was this Catholic saint called St. Vitus, who in the 16th century believed that uh, that uh, had the, pa- the who people believed in the 16th century had the power to curse people into dancing. Oh. And combine that with the fact that there was all these actual plagues happening and famine, and it was a really difficult period of time in Strasbourg that they think people just cracked up, basically. Mm. Um, there's been a few other theories that it may have been, uh, they, it may have been part of a religious cult or there may have been a toxic mold that is part yeah. of damp rye that may have been ingested that kind wow. of acts like LSD. Wow. That may have, may have infected people, but this idea that it was just sort of like this, this stressed, re- stress-induced mass panic and mass mm-hmm. hysteria mm. is kind of the most commonly wow. believed theory. And hot blood, right? And hot blood. Yeah. And from a sociological standpoint, it wasn't something like Beatlemania (laughs) where people just decided we all need to be doing this right now. They found medical or or the actual actual reasons, physical reasons versus just like a trend to craze. It may have been something psychological where people were this combination of believing that the saint had the ability to curse people to dance. Mm -hmm. They believed that they were cursed. Yeah. And you... You add that to all of the stress of being living in a famine and in, during yeah. plague times. It yeah. just kind of caused people to crack up. Yeah. I wonder if it's also akin to something like uh, going to a faith-based ceremony and feeling the spirit. And yeah. feeling like, uh, well, that guy next to me feels the spirit. I should feel the spirit, too. And dancing, yeah, singing, you start tongues. To, and yeah. You know, going you know, to a Pentecostal church yeah. or something and, you, and seeing people dancing with snakes and stuff like uh-huh. that. I, I would imagine it's something somewhat similar to that yeah. did they check her pants for snakes maybe they were just snakes <laughs> well they were hot snakes. Hot, hot snakes hot snakes winfield um this is a kind of yearly sort of thing or maybe it was when i was a kid or maybe it kind of comes around every now and then but the uh, panic over razor blades and candy oh yeah sure we just ate some delicious uh reese's peanut butter cups i had but a kick they were the mini size, yeah. not, not even fun size. They were mini, so I think they were too small for Jeff to have inserted any sort of like thumbtack or a razor, razor blade, blade in there. Or, um, But it's one of those things that kind of happens right around Halloween when strangers start giving other kids candy yeah. that 
certain there's a certain percentage of the population that starts to uh, kind of start retell old folklore or like cautionary tales. Urban myth. Yeah. You know, uh, there is razor blades and candied apples and things mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if there's ever really been a recorded case of any of it. Yeah. But still, it kind of propagates and it comes back. And, you know, maybe rightfully so in a certain sense that strangers are giving your kids candy. And there's a lot of, like, weird people out there. But then you start to, I mean, you start to think about it. And you're like, yeah, but in your neighborhood, you're walking around your neighborhood for the most part. And you're, you know, your neighbors. I mean, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like... It's a cautionary tale or it's a cautionary panic that some people probably have that um, – I don't know. I think I thought of this one because the other day I saw on Twitter some nonsense, and I think this was even recycled from a couple of years ago, where you know there's new kind of like uh, CBD and drug-related um, – uh, packaging that, that, like stuff that stuff looks like gummies yeah stuff like looks oh. like cheetos and it's not quite called cheetos but it uh-huh. kind of has some sort of i don't know drug related yeah sort of name and the packaging you know chester cheetah looks high or whatever and so like there's like people that are going around trying to imply that uh people are putting way more expensive drugs into candy that they're just going to give away <laughs> to kids right <laughs> and hoping that they'll I don't know. Get high. Do you know? Just, <laughs> you know how expensive these gummies are. People yeah, are I mean, not giving these away. No. If you're buying them, you're ingesting them. You're yeah. not giving them some yeah. snot-nosed eight-year-old. I think electronic journalism spread a lot of that stuff. Like the Tylenol scare was mm. was uh-huh. that era where I think it had been ten years or so since local news had the ability to do these quick spur of the moment news packages and well, it, was the, it was the invention of like the eyewitness news yeah. the action news yeah and there was this all sort of like the sensationalistic yeah tabloid type when tv journalism five o'clock had to be as edgy as seven o'clock <laughs> you know the, right. then they would repeat those things and i think also yeah there was also news without journalism they were uh just sharing news packages from 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 uh town to town and stuff that was kind of ripped off a fax machine or something like that because i know the tylenol scare was a fake thing yeah that was spread through the well it was a real thing that 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 sort of i mean the tylenol uh-huh. there was poisonings related to tylenol uh-huh that was a real thing. but it wasn't around it wasn't, halloween it, it wasn't around halloween yeah no. yeah all right yeah that's so funny like who was like how do you it's just one of those things that will like constantly um uh renew itself yeah you know every year every few years that you know it just moves around. And it's the power of story, too, when it has some kind of aspect to it that involves something you love, like your children. Yeah. Something that's scary, like Halloween. Yeah. And something that's yummy, like boys and Reese's. <laughs> you know, in Canada, they're just Reese. There's no s- at mm. the end. It's just Reese. Reese mm. peanut butter Just cup? Reese. They don't need that. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, they're saving those letters for Y2K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to save on them. Just, just hold on to those extra no. ESs. You never know if you're going to. Yeah. And th- year 3000, everything's S. It's just S's. Yeah. We're going to save them all up. <laughs> uh, ben Freddy, top dancing plug. All right. My second choice is the. Singing plug. The Red Scare. Okay. Hmm. Uh, communists. Oh, communists McCarthy. have infiltrated okay. the government, Jeff. They're oh, everywhere. Yeah. They're in Hollywood. I have a list on my hand yes. of five known communists in this podcast. Hmm. Wow, is one of them your dog? Yep, he's a red, he's a Ruski. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So this started um, kind of after World War II. 
and there is there was as with most scares there was some truth to it because the rush you know the soviet union did have espionage campaigns involving people who were who they had had been either had been planted or had been coerced to uh, cooperate with them within certain levers of government Mm -hmm. um so harry truman in 1947 he enacted the let me get it here, not the not the Alien and Sedition Act. I just looked that up, and that's not what the it was. Natasha Badenoff Act. Yes, the Boris Badenoff <laughs> Act of, of, of 1947. No, it was the Loyalty Order, which mandated that all federal employees be analyzed to determine whether they were sufficiently loyal to the government. Wow, which kind of goes against you know civil the liberties. Constitution yeah, and yeah. civil liberties and everything like that. So. When we look back at Truman, by the way, and we think of him as kind of this, like, grandfatherly, like, doting yeah. ca- character. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. Oh. Yeah. Sorry to, sorry to ruin. From, I know my, you're, from you're, the home state. Yeah. No, sorry to ruin uh, Truman for you there, Jeff. Yeah. But, and then it kind of, like, snowballed from there, and you get into Joseph McCarthy, noted alcoholic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With his uh, House Un-American Committee, uh, House... HUAC. HUAC, House Un-American Activities Committee, which is these, like, you know, the, these uh, S- Senate congressional hearings where he would come out with his list of people mm-hmm. who were known communists, and he would grill celebrities and Hollywood types and people in writers and yeah. people in the government, people in the army, and try and say, try and force them to name names. Mm-hmm. And eventually it all fell apart. Um, but for a while there, it was a real thing where there was this real fear that communists were going to infiltrate the, com- the government and sort of take over from mm-hmm. the inside. Yeah. I remember the podcast Blacklist at that time in the 50s. There were some good podcasts that got shut down. Dal- sure, Dalton yeah. Trumbo's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, was there also like part of the Red Scare is the militaristic stuff for like the kitchen debates and like Sputnik and all that other stuff too, I guess. So. I think of a red scare as actually being, we're talking about like the red scare as in we are being infiltrated amongst yes. our, yeah. Like yes. Hydra. Is yeah. Basically Hydra. It yeah. was basically what Hydra was before Hydra yeah. or after Hydra. Yeah. I'm not sure about the timeline. Yeah. It wasn't this Sputnik flying over our heads. It was this, the enemy within, yeah. Yeah, and there were lots of, you know, it's a Supreme Court case in 51 um, that said that free speech rights of accused communists could be restricted because their actions uh, constituted a clear and present danger to the government. Wow. Just all sorts of, like, crazy uh, yeah. impingements against people's personal freedom. Well, yeah, like vaccination, like masks, and masks, now, masks and vaccinations. They got Grimes walking around the streets holding... Reading the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> Where are we? Right there. <laughs> right there. It's right there. She's yeah. not even hiding it anymore. Harry Truman, mm. if Harry he was Truman. alive to get it today. What if he was alive today? <laughs> no, don't do that, Jeff. We've oh. <laughs> we missed that. No, we don't. Uh, it was the same impersonation every time. I miss it. All that you're kind. Oh, hey. put, put your, you know what you got to do? You got to put your, all your, the, these dead presidents under the hot seat and on the firing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the firing. Oh, my God. Amazon. I gotta buy some top hats real quick. <laughs> Amazon, some mutton chops. And things like that. Uh, we're at our halftime, and you know what we usually ask you, um, and that is to approach us and say that you're sorry you're not current on our podcast. Yeah, that makes yeah. us feel great. Don't listen to it. Don't share it. 
don't contribute to it. Just let us know that you're, you wish you had more time to spend with our podcast. And then spend more time. Download, rate, and review past episodes. It's getting to be the holiday season, meaning the spooky season. And we're having a campaign where if you uh, create a Halloween costume based on any topic that we've ever discussed and then post it onto one of our social media handles, you will win a year's supply of the Mount Rushmore podcast. Woo! Yeah. Wow, a yeah, whole year. A whole year. 52 episodes for free? That's for absolutely free. No added charge. Uh, friends and family, can I? If, what are you talking like, about? If, like, if I have like, um, if, if I enter... Oh, a code into this. Oh, a discount. No, yeah, no. Inner inner promo code Rushmore. Yeah. When you download it, and you'll get a free episode. A free episode. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Great. Hey, Christmas. Take care <laughs> of this year for everybody. <laughs> Do all your shopping already. Uh, okay, and that means it's Michael for his third. My third choice is the 2016 clown sightings in America. Oh yeah. Yeah. Forgot. I know, thankfully. Oh wow! Yes. But for a hot month and a half, yeah, uh, everyone was like, uh, oh, "What's up no. with the, all these uh, creepy clowns going yeah. around?" Um, I guess it started in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where there was about five sort of clowns that, that were... all had cheese heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's the scariest part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, there were these like five pictures of clowns being spotted in different like parking lots late at night, being really creepy. Um, yada yada yada. It was for some like uh, short film called Fags. Oh, okay. It was all like you know, kind of viral, whatever. Yeah. For it. in the end, I never even knew that until I started reading about it. Okay. I mean, nice job. Great, vi- great, great yeah. viral marketing, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember it was in this lead up to the election, and I thought to myself, "Oh, great! All we fucking need." It's fucking crazy. People dressed up as clowns going around this country doing horrible things. Yeah. And now nobody actually, I don't think, did anything. Like there might have been like people like dressing up as clowns like as a joke to help scare people afterwards once yeah. this kind of viral marketing thing kind of kind of engage in the mm-hmm. zeitgeist. But I remember being like, okay, like I don't like that. I, I'm, I'm not like a I'm scared of clowns person, but clowns are of, are one of like the scarier – generic things that are aimed at kids yeah you know some of the after effects that they saw that like mcdonald stopped using ronald mcdonald Hmm. you you do not see him and they kind of made like a strategic decision to like well ronald's we're not going to put ronald out there anymore Mm -hmm. he's not in any sort of advertising or marketing or yeah anything i don't even you know maybe there might the only thing that might still be around is like the ronald mcdonald house the charity but i don't think that there's like oh yeah he doesn't really go around dressed up in makeup because uh-huh. he'd been clowns. phased out pretty well. Yeah, but you he know, was they, still they, around. They'd kind of moved towards the like I'm loving it sort of. Yeah, uh, I thought they did somewhere he was playing golf or something like that yeah. right, at one point. Okay, I don't know, but yeah, that's a liability now. They got a clown mascot. But I I remember like with the election being like God fuck, this is all we need. Yeah, we barely survived Pokemon Go and now it's like all clowns. Mm-hmm. I don't need this. Mm-hmm. I am not afraid. I think I've expressed this before of some of clowns. I'm afraid of people who have time to dress up like clowns. <laughs> or mm, and right. I'm I'm like that with haunted houses. Like I'm not afraid of a haunted house. I'm just afraid of a guy who says, "Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not busy September through October. I'll wield a prop chainsaw in a dark room." Yeah. For minimum wage. That's the guy I'm afraid of. Mm. That guy. His decisions. Um <laughs> Okay, so 
now we're going from clowns to to discussing the fact that these stools you were right jeff yeah you know about 20 minutes yeah i gotta get a cushion on your ass a cushion for the cushion anyway that's that's some inside baseball Sorry. we don't need to get into that um we are going straight into dungeons and dragons hmm. whoa you remember this, Jeff? Do you remember the movie made the TV movie yeah. Mazes and Monsters with Tom Hanks? Rona Jaffe's Mazes and Monsters. Yes. Yeah. We tried to watch it about um, sometime last year during all of the lockdown. Uh huh. And we turned it off after maybe twenty five minutes. It's terrible. Yeah, it wasn't good. No, it wasn't good at all. But it was based on a real panic. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when Dungeons and Dragons became sort of this uh, phenomenon back in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, there was also a counter phenomenon of parents being very concerned that Dungeons and Dragons was going to lead their kids into uh, Satan worshiping. Yeah, you know that somehow they would become cursed if they played. It was you know against the will of God. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. Um, back in 1979, kind of the, what kicked off the moral panic against Dungeons and Dragons was a case. Where a 16-year-old kid who was going to uh, Michigan State University, his name was James Dallas Egbert III. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I, I hope nothing bad happened to him. And yeah, I just something, chuckled. something did happen. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Him, but I'm it's sorry. still a funny name. We sorry, still, Egbert family. We can still laugh at the Egberts. Um, he apparently went missing from Michigan State. And he uh, – and you're a terrible person for laughing at this <laughs> Sorry, the third family. <laughs> family, the third. They, the, 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 the Egbert family hired a uh, private investigator named... They Lu- hired an orc, a wizard, a magic <laughs> user, a, a mage. Elf, an elf to go on a quest for him. Um, they hired a private investigator. Uh, his name was William Deer. <laughs> oh, no. I know. It just gets worse and worse to find him. And uh, this, this guy just became convinced that Dungeons and Dragons was behind the disappearance. Mm. Um, and it turned out that the kid was just cracking up, because partially because he was this child prodigy who had been pushed into going to Michigan State and going to college when oh, he was yeah. 16. And he had kind of gotten into drugs. So he had actually disappeared into the, there's like a system of tunnels underneath Michigan State University. Yeah. And he disappeared underneath there for a while. He wow. Just he just went there on his own. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got the wrong map from the troll. Yeah. <laughs> what if he found Ninja Turtles? And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, if, what, if toxic waste, what if toxic waste got dumped on him and he became a Ninja Turtle? How about that? So he well, he did something that supported the story. Yeah, he went yeah. into the tunnels. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he later died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Oh, mm. poor kid. Yeah. So, but which, again, he had mental health issues. There were a lot of reasons why... This happened. None of them had anything to do with Dungeons and Dragons. There's another case in 1982 where a high school student killed himself and his mom decided that even though his classmates were like a kid had trouble fitting in, he obviously had some mental health issues. The mom became convinced that this was all D&D's fault Hmm. and actually wound up suing his kid's high school principal because the high school principal had been the game master of the D&D game. Oh, wow. And it placed a curse on the kid's character, and the mom claimed that the curse was real. Wow. Which is not legally actionable, <laughs> it turns out. 
Um, what if you found out Boggle was where the real satanic shit was going down? Yeah, you shake up the letters and suddenly <laughs> yeah. like a, they're like runes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of. And you, you shake s- them up. You summon Beals above. And you're sum- summoning, summoning words. He comes, he appears. Uh, my turn. Yeah. Yeah. Might go now. Uh, Michael, can I do Michael? the diagonal ones, or does it have to be just straight? <laughs> Are these Cheetos for everybody? <laughs> oh, don't get your hand. You, know, you licked his fingers. And oh, wrong like... type of Cheetos. Wrong type of Cheetos. <laughs> um, and she wound up forming a group called Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Bad, of course. Okay. Because that was the cool thing to do yeah. back in the early 80s. And here's... She described Dungeons and Dragons as, and I will quote this here, a fantasy role-playing game which uses demonology, witchcraft, voodoo, murder, rape, blasphemy, suicide, assassination, insanity, sex perversion, homosexuality, prostitution, satanic-type rituals, gambling, barbarism, cannibalism, sadism, desecration, demon summoning, necromantics, divination, and other teachings. To which I say... Yeah, that sounded pretty much like what my Dungeons and Dragons was like <laughs> when I was in high school. Except for the rate part, yeah. pretty much everything else kind of went into the game at Did some it? point. We were so... I remember my brother and I went to a game, we were eight and nine, and it just it didn't get that cool. There wasn't that... It, do you feel like it was a little bit of the the scare in regards to uh, heavy metal lyrics? I think, there was, yeah. I think it was all kind of... T- it feels like it was tied up into the same sort of like... You know, occult, you would expect a cold satanic. You would, ex- I think, parents assumed that kids who were into Dungeons and Dragons were also into uh, heavy metal because, look, there's a lot of the same imagery that was yeah. being used. Mm. You know, if you look at a Dungeons and Dragons board game or Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons book, for example, it looks heavy metal as hell. Yeah, the cover does. Yeah, so I, I, I think there was a lot of cross pollination huh. in parents' minds between the two. Wow, uh, I'm fascinated by the thing. That isn't the real thing. That's the problem that people want to focus on, because it usually right. is something that they can uh, burn, cancel, crush, ban, versus being a shitty mom and dad, right? <laughs> versus not really listening to your kids, versus not spending quality time with your family. Well, and and for me, it was like you know a lot of the people I know I know today who grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons were kind of outsiders. And Dungeons and Dragons gave them a way to be able to relate to other people yeah. and kind of create a community. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, probably saved them from a lot of mental health issues. And, oh yeah, and and kind of gave them a kind of a structure in their lives. So the fact that parents were trying to take this away from their kids mm-hmm. was probably way more destructive than Dungeons and Dragons ever could be. Yeah, well, for sure. Manfredi, you good? Uh, Get off my I back. I just like saying your name, <laughs> Manfredi. It's like. A, Whisper through the trees. It's like a poem on the wind. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> do we have to pay for that? Yeah. But Winfield is even more poetic. What's your next one? My next choice. My last choice Final is the, choice. the 1938 radio broadcast of The War of the Worlds. Oh, World. wow. That's cool. a good one, yeah. Um, where I, a lot of people, I guess, were kind of in panic over the... Um, kind of the interrupted nature of the broadcast. Yeah. Panic um, in the streets of <laughs> Grover Mills. music <laughs> Sorry. It's like he's right. It's like he's right here. It's wonderful. Um, what I like about this 
I'll get into the story in a little bit. What I like about this is these are like the people that are like panicked by this are like the dumbasses that were scared of like the train being projected on like a, on like on the bed sheet, on the bed sheet, like the first time you saw like uh, Lumiere or whatever his name is. uh, The uh, was it Edison? Was it an Edison? Maybe it was an Edison. The first motion picture. The people were just like, "What? Train is coming at me!" Fucking morons. Um, but the story goes that is that at the beginning of a, uh, a radio program called the Mercury Theater on the Air, uh, which was um, kind of uh, read by Orson Welles, now famous uh, Orson Welles, um, saying that he was going to do a reading of this. It was, uh, it was a Halloween, Halloween special. It was a Halloween yeah. special. He was going to read. He was going to do a performance or read about. Um, uh, the War of the Worlds, the H.G. Wells book, and he let off saying, this is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And then um, throughout the broadcast, they'd cut to like music, and then like uh, uh, a like a newsman would interrupt mm-hmm. and be like, oh, well, there have been reported f- yeah. b- big explosions on Mars. And like, I can't imagine the people just listening to it being like, huh, mm-hmm. that's a coincidence. I'm listening to this story. In 1938, about- how would you know that there were explosions on yeah. Mars? Like they had a Mars telescope or something. I I mean, the story was that there was another much more popular show that was on the competing radio mm-hmm. network, and it was a rerun or something like that. So everybody kind of went. They started listening to listening the other to the other show, and then turned in. Oh, when they found out that it wasn't going to be what they thought, they switched over to post introduction. Gotcha. Mercury. The- and theater, so, yeah. so he's he's telling the story. You know, he's. He's going on for like 40 minutes, and in this, the first like half of this, you know, yeah. 40 minutes of this thing, it's constantly being interrupted. Like, you know, we're seeing these Martian creatures and things over New York and yeah. Washington. And so it had an air of, you know, realism. Um, I don't know what you'd call that. I don't know what kind of Verite. Yeah. 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 And um, <laughs> because the guy, he talked like this, just like a regular news broadcaster. <laughs> and then uh, the like last half of the show was more, more of a, dramatized uh-huh. sort of a description of other things that are happening, you know, the, yeah. the rest of the story. But I guess people were just generally like panicked and upset and like worried that these things were happening and mm-hmm. wrote in letters to the, the FTC and wow. tried to get, you know, like them held accountable for like whatever. I mean, at the end of the broadcast, uh, Orson Welles ended up being like happy Halloween and boo. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, there you go. Yeah. Stay till the end. <laughs> I like the person that turns on the radio and is like, Martians are coming down. That's it. Martians are here. I'm out of here. You heard it? You heard it here first. The, the newspaper man voice that Jeff just did. Same thing. I trust that. Also, buy Bosco. Bosco. <laughs> soap. Get your pants and pens clean. The, the uh, ability for a scare to happen means there's something already putting people 90% there. Sure. I feel like there's something going on. So had speculative science fiction Jules Verne stuff been popular I wonder you know what what was in the air mm. would would people already go out and see I don't know if the sci-fi genre had been active in film that much yet but I wonder if I don't know 1938 seems awful late for this sort of thing yeah it's well seen, it's before the flying saucer movies and stuff like that that's but, true yeah. that's true but yeah I wonder where people did they even have a theremin back then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna be? Are you gonna be scared if they're in a theremin? Yeah. 
Uh, I love Wells. Well, like, what was he, 23 then? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. You know, that's, the Wunderkind, yeah. yeah. I'd heard that he would take an ambulance from from studio to studio in New York because it was just too slow to drive a car. Sometimes he'd had two or three shows <laughs> an hour. Jeez. He'd walk in a, a, a recording studio, and they'd say, 80-year-old Chinaman, hand him a script, and he would just, okay, <laughs> just read the thing. All right, so, yeah. Uh, you did your four, Richard? No, I got one more. Okay, all right. My fourth one is the greatest panic of my lifetime. Mm. Uh, the great toilet paper panic oh, of 2020. Oh, it's so real still. Yeah, I hate to hate to bring back any like uh, PTSD that anyone had yeah. of, of trying to uh, fight through the masses yeah. to claim your 24-pack of, uh, of Charmin. We just ran out of ours. Did you? <laughs> we just kind of ran out of toilet paper. Like, oh, my God. It's been two years of toilet paper panic from over the stockpile. That was I fell for it. Yeah, everyone fell for it. And, and even though we all collectively knew there was nothing about COVID that should lead at that time to a run on toilet paper. There was no reason there was no connection between toilet paper and COVID. Right. Right? It wasn't like this was like some diarrheal infection or something mm-hmm. like that. There's just no connection between the two. But it was just like people were like, What's the one thing that we cannot live without? Yes. And everyone sort of collectively, which is amazing that everyone collectively kind of ca- it, it came up with the, uh, the answer of toilet yeah. paper. That's the one thing that we're going to panic about. If, if society starts to fall apart, at least I can wipe my ass. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, there's really, I think the thing is there's no like real, there's no real backup. No, if, if newspapers can only get you so far. If you <laughs> if you if you run out of milk, there's other milk options. If you run out of like fresh fruit, there's canned fruit. And if you run it like there's right. there's there's a way to eat your way around this situation. But with toilet paper, there's no there's really nothing. And what's amazing is that now there is a, apparently stores are starting to institute. I know Costco was starting to institute the reinstitute the. Uh, the, the maximum purchases on toilet paper again. Mm. But this time it's actually for good reasons because the ports are so backed up with uh, their inability to offload stuff from the, the ships that there is actually beginning to be shortages, the potential for shortages on toilet paper. Not to panic anybody. Don't run out. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't run out. Do that. See you guys. I, yeah, bye. Shut off the machine after we're done. <laughs> so I do remember... The first couple of weeks of of COVID shutdown, going to a Target at like and lining up like at six in the morning when they opened up at like six thirty. Oh sure. So I could run into yeah. the store and grab my maximum, my two like giant yeah tubs, you know, my giant carts full of, mm-hmm. of two things of the twenty four packs of toilet paper, and coming back and Sarah, my wife, has a picture of me holding them up. <laughs> Like I just returned from, hero. Yeah. like I just returned from the hunt or something mm-hmm. like that. I used to do my shopping like that. I mean, I was those in the first like six months of it. I I would leave on a Monday morning, and get there when the store opened at six, and I would do all my shopping before anyone else was in the store, because you remember they had like the different. You know, they had, like, the elderly shopping hours initially. So Michael would dress up like an old person. I put on my entire – I was like Batman. I'd run the get-up. I had the mustache. <laughs> like Nathan- perfected, perfected my walk. Nathaniel Hornblower, the, the BC Boys director. <laughs> I, I, I was like um, – I was like, what's his name? And Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Dick Van Dyke dressed, Dick Van Dyke as, dressed uh, as the old man. Yeah. The banker. Mm-hmm. That was me. <laughs> 
but it's just like carrying like huge, you know, yeah. drugs or whatever. But yeah, I, like it was, it was wild, but all of it was all connected. You know, you just didn't know. And the weird part was that it, 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 it was so informative of what a panic can, can cause because eventually there were shortages and there, you could get toilet paper when you, if you went in the middle of the day because people were panicking and panic buying. And yeah. because people were panic buying, there was scarcity. And because you saw that there was scarcity, you started panic buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it just, you, you, it, was, it was such a perfect example of how a panic starts. Do you remember the one-off brands? I would say, I was starting to see one-off brands like, oh, honey, they've got toilet paper. It's Zagreb toilet paper. Right. <laughs> made with, made with yeah. 50% pulp? Yeah, yeah. I what? don't know. Was it wood pulp? We get splinters? Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, you would get, like, where they would sell, like, the individually wrapped. Yeah, like, the single half, rolls. The half-ply type stuff. Yeah. Where, you know, you could, like, hold it up and it's, like, <laughs> che- you know, like cheese paper yeah. or whatever. Is, the like, custodian right at school it. would have those, like, in the little closet, those very thin things. And it felt like getting one of those felt like, okay, this isn't really toilet paper. This is yeah. cheesecloth. But it's, it's going to work. This we'll make a, it work, goddammit. It's a thin barrier between <laughs> my hand, my hand and, and, poop. and poop. Wow. You know, I, I was going to say I'm not – uh, uh, sad things and bad things are still happening for people. So I would never say that there is any upside to this, but I remember feeling as a person who is very cityfied and has very few things that make him feel masculine, <laughs> being able to <laughs> be the caveman who dragged, yeah. <laughs> who dragged home a roll of toilet paper <laughs> used to make me feel like the conquering hero. You did, didn't it? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the, um, just that small period of time when you're just like, all right, so are we going in on a bidet or what? Yeah. All, all the bidets are sold out on yeah. Amazon? Oh, can't even do that. Can we just hook up a hose to the, <laughs> to the sink? You know, this dog is very interested in licking. No. Okay, so this has been uh, the Mount Rushmore of panics and scares. And I have really, what was that noise? Huh? Oh, my God. Oh, God. Bar the door. Look, the bar the door. The aliens are here. The, the, the killer clown aliens. <laughs> killer clowns from outer space have arrived. <laughs> they're putting razor blades in our in our candy, and they're and they're uh, also making me roll it. All over the place. <laughs> they're making me roll a d twenty for some reason. I don't know. This is Orson Welles. <laughs> the little green men are coming down. Okay, so why don't we go with? Um, I mean, Y two K because it's pretty ubiquitous. Um, it's the one that. Um, uh, I think we all kind of know about, and I thought War that War of the Worlds discussion was really interesting too. And Dancing Plague is very novel and very interesting. I I, I would love to go to um, Strasbourg and see if that lady's still still dancing, dancing still boogieing down. <laughs> yeah, and then let's go D and D because because right on because yeah. Okay, dudes, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Panics and Scares. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Panic on the streets of London. 